0: So the Nick Bob podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. You know, a new door, a new set of windows can do a lot of things for you. Can change the feeling and the vibe and the look of your home. It can add value to your home, and it can make your home more energy efficient. With these rising temperatures, Uh, energy efficiency extremely important, and your windows big part of that. Pella checks all those boxes and then some. Turn your window and door modeling dreams into a reality with Pella. Give them a call 402-493-1350 or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And the Nick Bob podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Runza. I got three words for you. French onion burger. Oh, yeah. French onion dip. Grilled onions. Swiss cheese. Oh, my goodness. You may be reading those ingredients and wondering how Swiss cheese snuck into a French burger. Well, that's because there's no such thing as French cheese. Don't worry, though. The Swiss cheese is a perfect complement to the homemade French onion dip and grilled onions on this very worldly burger. Get to Runza today and try it. Runza makes it all better. All right. uh, Welcome back to the Nick Bob podcast. And uh, I got to be honest, this is one of my favorite pods I've ever recorded. This one right here. The guest of the day. Former Husker wide receiver Kenny Bell. Just an incredible conversation. A guy that I always admired as a player and i 've always wanted to talk to him you know he 's uh, he's a guy that played during a very a very very interesting time 20, He was, arrived in two thousand and ten graduated in two thousand and fourteen L- tons of very interesting moments during that time um, he 's one of the best wide receivers to ever play at Nebraska. His name is all over the record books, most notably he left Nebraska as Uh, the all-time leader in receptions and yards. He's now number two all-time in receptions and yards, Uh, been supplanted by Stanley Morgan. But, man, still, big-time player. And we touch on everything from his career. The good, the highs, the lows, the drama, the the Bopolini audio tape, the 2012 Big Ten title game loss. Taylor Martinez, what he was like as a teammate. Literally, we hit on it all. This was just, this was so interesting. This was so insightful. This was so much fun. You guys are going to, Love this. So, let's get to it. Here's my podcast chat with former Husker wide receiver, Kenny Bell. Enjoy. All right. On the line now, the Afro man himself, Kenny Bell, uh, joins us here on the Nick Bob Podcast. Uh, Kenny, this is crazy. I was a huge fan of you when you were at Nebraska, and we've actually never talked before. I just I sent you a DM on Twitter. Boom. Here you are on the, on the podcast. I appreciate you coming on. How are you
1: doing? I'm doing well. Yeah. No, I appreciate you having me. It, it's funny. You say... You know, we haven't spoke before, but I've listened to you a ton because uh, getting into, you know, the Big Ten Network kind of stuff that I've been involved in as of recent, this past year, uh, the number one person when I got uh, recommendations to listen to when I was thinking like podcast kind of show was yours. So wow. uh, I appreciate you having me on.
0: Absolutely. That's cool to hear. I, 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 I'm I flattered by that. I uh, it, <laughs> The only thing I'm worried right now, though, I'm a little worried, Kenny, because so you're a Colorado native and the Nuggets got swept last night. I assume Gosh. I assume you're a Denver Nuggets fan. Like I need I need good mood Kenny Bell today, not bad mood Kenny Bell. What, you know
1: I'm you I'm right? a pretty positive guy, but being an <laughs> all Colorado sports everything guy, God, it's been a brutal from the ABS to the Nuggets to the Rockies struggling. It's 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 a t- it's a tough time right now in uh, in Denver sports. <laughs> but but uh, as as tradition we uh, we wear it and we uh, we
0: move forward. I guess it's about the struggle, <laughs> man. I guess I don't know. I, yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I you know. Note, I saw you. Were you an all-state basketball player?
1: Uh, I was not all-state. I was the only year I played. We went to the state championship. Uh, the only year I played basketball in high school was my senior year, and it was really because ba- you know back then I didn't have like, social media to like show off my workouts. You know, like these kids have today. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, uh, I played I played basketball and I ran track to you know stay in shape for the upcoming football season. So
0: yeah, I didn't. I, okay, because uh, well, that's crazy though. So you. You, you didn't play until you were a senior? Like, that's kind of yeah, hard to I, do.
1: So when I when I got to high school, I stopped playing other sports except for football after my freshman year because I just wanted to play football in college. And then once I got my offer from Nebraska and had committed, I played basketball and track to make sure I was staying in shape uh, right. during during that offseason. You know, I was looking at it.
0: So, when you, so you come to Nebraska. You were there from 2010 to 2014. You redshirted in 2010. And I'm trying yep. to piece together the timeline of things. Nebraska changing conferences from the Big Twelve to the Big Ten, and you being from Colorado, was that? Were you
1: bummed out by that? I was devastated. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) like we so twenty ten we played Colorado at home, and twenty eleven was supposed to be you know that was going to be the first year I was going to be playing, and we're going to play in Boulder. And that was the year we got switched uh, to the Big Ten. So, yeah, I was I was really disappointed. I Uh, was looking forward to going back to Boulder and getting to play at Folsom with all those ball ton of of family and friends.
0: Was it hard for you to leave home? Because I was uh, you know, I'm from Lincoln. I was recruited a little bit by Nebraska to play basketball, recruited by Creighton. But I went to I left and went to Kansas for a few years and then transferred back to Creighton. Was that, it was hard, man. like you, I tell people like, man, it's not, you sever certain relationships. People kind of never view you the same. Like, was
1: it hard to leave home? You know, it was really brutal, but Nick, I'm such a a baby. I was back in Boulder all the time. (laughs) You know, it was was such a, it was seven hour drive. That was back then. That was nothing. I made it all the time. So it was brutal. Um, but honestly, I got, I grew up around some incredible people that I'm thankful for that are still really good friends. So I had, I had that were going to see you boulder that would actually drive out to lincoln to see me right, so right. on saturday so it, it it was tough i got i got some some heckling for it for a little bit but um i think i think i'm, I'm in pretty good standing with my hometown i'd like i'd like to think i'd
0: so. like to think so too <laughs> uh can, when you were being recruited though like i was thinking about this the 2009 and listen, like I, I love that team, that defense, one of the best defenses of all time. But like that, that offense was not very good, Kenny. Like, right. what, what was it about being recruited? In you know, because Bo Pelini takes over, you know, they're unbelievable on defense, but offense is a is a work in progress. Was it that? Maybe, maybe I guess you viewed that as a positive. Like, man, I can come in and make an
1: impact right away. No, you know what's you know what's funny? It was never. Uh... I guess maybe it was just a kid. I never really thought about my numbers or anything like going and having a huge career that was never at like the top of my list. I wanted to go somewhere where I could get a great education. Uh, I had a really good coaching staff that I believed could, you know, take me as a player to the next level. Right. And then also I had never been, I was from Boulder. I had never been around that kind of football culture that's in Lincoln and all of Nebraska that, you know, everyone loves football, you know, uh, beautiful Saturday in, in Boulder Unless the Buffs are playing for a national championship, really, no one really cares, you know, that, that that's not a shot at Boulder, they just got people are outside, they're doing all kinds of stuff, you know, it's, it's not the same. So when I witnessed what football meant to the University of Nebraska, that's what I cared about. I wanted to be a part of that culture.
0: Right. You know, I always wonder now, because I think we tend to think kids have – and look at us talking about kids like, they're you know, we're like sixty years old. But, like, we we think, like, we always say, like, my kids are different, man. I'm like, I don't know. I I don't know how much different they really are in – you know, we talk about how kids don't care about the tradition. Kids don't care about 1994 and 95 and 97, and they don't care about the sellout streak, and they don't care. I'm like, I I don't know. I think they – I still think maybe this is just what I, I'm wishful thinking. I still think kids care about like they care about that stuff. When you were being recruited, and you saw the '94, '95, '97 banners and all that stuff, like did that stuff resonate with you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was, yeah, I, I, it, I most certainly was. But I, I, I agree with what you're saying too. I don't think I think culturally, maybe. The, Things have changed a little bit with the younger guys. Right. But as far as what they want to be a part of, I mean, athletes want to be a part of something greater than themselves. That, I mean, that's what makes – great teams that what's that's what makes great players so i definitely still believe those guys are out there right it it just seems it just seems like the the glitz and glamour are a little bit more at the forefront this year and or not this year but this timing and that is that the kids or is that just our viewpoint right so right you you know it's it comes down to perspective i believe
0: hey kenny so i was uh you know so when you're a red shirt that 2010 team man Oh, uh, Kenny! Like, what was well, it like going against it? Now for offense, they were loaded. I mean, your whole really, like, right. you look back on your four years. You guys had a lot of talent on offense, Absolutely. but that, but that 2010 defense, like, okay, you got Levante, you got Prince and Dennard on both corners. You got yep. you got Eric Hagan Gomes, Roman, yep. and doing their thing. You got Crick rushing the passer. Yeah. What the hell was that like every day in practice?
1: Yeah. So I I I like when I re- reflect on my football career 2010 was the most productive and growing year I've ever had as a player I was coming out of high school and obviously every high school player thinks they're the biggest baddest dude (laughs) uh, in all of America and then I just got beat up for an entire year Uh, I mean beat up right and it was either it was either Fonzo who was I mean we know how great of a player he was or Prince on the other side who was a senior our last uh, I guess other than Levante with our last uh, All-American. So right. the that Eric Hag was phenomenal awesome. to me um, as far as how we competed and how, how he actually treated me like little brother. Uh, same with DJ Gomes. These are guys I still keep in touch with today that I didn't really get to play with because they were playing while I was on Saturdays and beating up on me during the week. But that was by far the most productive year I ever had at the University of Nebraska. And that's why I, that's why I wore that blue jersey Uh, underneath my pads every single game for my entire career
0: okay what's the significance of that what's the blue does that mean scout team
1: yeah so every year uh or every my freshman year that redshirt year every position group had a colored jersey on this practice squad okay um so wide receivers wore blue Ah. tight ends wore yellow running backs wore red and then the uh quarterbacks were in green but yeah, that, that was a very significant part of my career, and I, that's how I chose to remind myself uh, cool. every Saturday when I got to play. You know, what was
0: – I think I heard you say this on the spring game broadcast, that you you brought up Barrett Rude in teaching you how to, like, watch yeah. film – what because you reference like you said in high school everybody thinks they're like they're the man right i remember walking into the locker room and you're like man i was i did this i did this and this and it's like so did everybody else in the locker room you know what i mean like you kind of nobody cares nobody Nobody cares about your high
1: school accolades
0: (laughs) no one cares but like yeah but you kill it in high school because you're kind of just better than everybody but then when you get to college you have to wed the physical skills with the mental skills of understanding the x's and o's the schemes what you're trying to do how you're handling yourself through the week like Give me the big – was it Barrett that helped you on the film? Was there someone else? Was there a coach? Who helped you the most in in tightening that aspect of your game up? Because obviously you had the physical skills, but you can't, like, be all over the record books if you didn't have the mental part of it too.
1: Yeah, I would say it was – I'd say it was two people – Obviously, a huge shout out to Coach Rude because yep. he was literally the very first person that taught me how to sit down and watch film and break it down. This is what you should watch on Monday. This is what you should watch on Tuesday, Wednesday, throughout the week, preparing for the game. Um, that was later in my career. I think the most important transition is really learning how to approach the game and approach the week um, like a professional. And that 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 I did get that at the University of Nebraska, and that was because of – two people really and that's bo pelini and the head strength coach at the time james dobson right um you can really walk your walk into a bit of a culture shock you know in high school you know you think you work hard but i know i didn't you know i didn't take (laughs) lifting seriously i didn't take conditioning all that seriously i i let my talent kind of carry me um which i think is a big difference between the younger generations but i digress a little bit sure um Walking in as a freshman compared to walking in as a rookie to the NFL, I understood because of my time at Nebraska, what it took to prepare to play football. It right. was a 365 day job, right? Uh, you, there's, there's no escaping uh, every day, getting up and trying to get better at the game, whether it was physically or mentally watching the film. So I think that was the biggest difference. And I'd have to thank Bo and Dauber right. for that. I mean, right. those, are, those guys were like, Hey, you're talented but if you you know the classic you yeah that that talent doesn't do do you any good because everybody's, everybody's talented, talented Kenny. you're gonna have to work your tail off yeah and that's right. that's why i even survived in the nfl as long as i did you know right. hopping from team to team on practice squads because i just worked my i worked my tail off
0: you know i was the i was reading some stuff did you you tore your quad playing with your niece and that kind of ended your pro career
1: yeah, well, I mean, pro career was pretty much finished once I got to Denver. So okay. I, I left, I left Baltimore in the, uh, 2019 and tried to play or tried to get picked up by Denver. I was there for training camp and I tore my hamstring, nagging inj- injury that had lasted my entire NFL career. At that point, I was three and a half years in. I knew I wasn't going to get another shot, so I stepped away from the NFL and I went to just kind of finish my my career with the Alliance of American Football. I saw that. I thought I could go just have some fun, you know, make a little money sure. while I made my transition away from football. Well, that league collapsed. Um, it went bankrupt, and I happened to uh, be back home. I was uh, I was swimming with my niece in the pool she had asked me to uh, do like a big splash off my parents diving board it was nice. it was 2 days after my uh, my brother had passed away her father so i was just trying to make her happy having some fun out there and i went to jump off the diving board as hard as i could and my right leg slipped off oh. the diving board and i my left knee immediately went to like 130 absorbing all the energy from my jump and my oh. The quadricep tendon and all my quadricep muscles just tore from my kneecap and from my femur bone. Oh, yeah. And I just like back flopped into the pool. Luckily, my other brother was there because I like I was underwater because I couldn't swim. Right. So I surfaced real quick screaming, (laughs) you know, and my brother, my brother dove in pulled me out and yeah they pulled me like i couldn't get out of the pool so they yanked me to the side and yeah and you could see it my right it literally you could just see from my kneecap all the way up to my like my upper groin was just my femur bone there was no muscles oh yeah it was really bad what's the recovery (laughs) been like with that like how are you now uh it was it was two years ago so it it hurts pretty constantly yeah um but it it, it's it's better uh but the it, it was a it was a good uh Man, after surgery, it was probably four months before I could really start doing rehab on it, like really start Jeez. moving it well. And then, I mean, it was it was 10 months straight, a pretty hard, hard uh, rehab. How, how is how has
0: it been? You know, because you OK, so you have that rehab process and you're you know, that officially probably is like, OK, I'm uh, Kenny Bell, the football player is oh, probably yeah. no more. How How's yeah. that transition been? Because like I struggled with it, man, like I didn't I didn't play right. pro like you, but like. I don't think – I think some people – what's hard is I always want to fight at the notion of, like, oh, you're just a – you're a jock. All you think about or care about is football. Like, And it's like, yeah, like, yes and no. Like, I, I have more other interests in that. But at the end of the day, what consumes my thoughts is football. You know, like, that everything is centered around that or centered around basketball. For me, like, what's that been like for you? How has the transition? You're doing some Big Ten Network stuff. Like, how, how has that transition been for
1: you? You know, it's been interesting. It's been – I'm really thankful for mine because I first off I'll always miss my time playing football uh, I, I love my time playing football. I got to meet some of my best friends be around some of the most uh, influential men I could ever ask to be around on top of that I get I get incredible interactions and treatment with fans um, uh, really still weekly so i'm I'm always thankful for that but my transition has been incredibly smooth because in the grand scheme of things I just knew. Football wasn't the end all be all right. for me. Um, and I kind of think that perspective actually was detrimental in the NFL for me just because I wasn't, it wasn't that I wasn't bought into the culture and winning and not working hard. I just didn't always buy into some of the nonsense that yeah. came along with it, right? You know, like right. overseeing the politics or yep. overseeing some of the things that are said just to be said. Uh, so I'm always thankful for my time. And uh, with the game and, uh, the experience I had, but I'm not someone that really, really wishes I had it all back. You know, even, yeah. even never playing on Sundays, that'll always hurt, but I'm always going to be thankful and reflecting on the things that I learned from that time. Except if I hadn't, I wouldn't be who I am and be where I'm at today. If that makes sense.
0: No, it makes total sense. I, the one thing that also probably helps too is, Kenny, he had a hell of a career, man? Like he, you know, I, I tweeted it out. I was going through a lot of the record book stuff, and it's like I knew you were a bad boy, but like, holy shit! Like, and don't give me this, <laughs> don't give me, don't give me this modest stuff. Like, we all know you're a humble guy, but like, looking at it, so Stanley, unfortunately, Stanley supplanted you for, yeah. for the number one spot in career wide receiver yards and career receptions. But you know, look at I think you're fourth in career receiving touchdowns, tied for fifth in most one hundred yard receiving games in a career. Uh you're what's what I thought this was cool. You're fifth and sixth all time in consecutive games with a reception, which is pretty amazing. Uh yeah. and then top ten in most touchdown receptions in a season. And then you also have a handful of you know, I think sometimes I forget how good of a kickoff returner you were, too. What
1: which, which uh which well, that- is I was I was until Amir Abdullah showed up. You know, when Amir Abdullah stepped on campus, and then Demorne Pierce now stepped on campus, my uh, my return days were quickly overshadowed. They're like Kenny, you return kicks. It's like yeah, it's easy to forget when number eight, number fifteen, were putting on a show every time they touched the ball.
0: Those guys were crazy, especially DPE. Uh, I, I'll t- DPE, his freshman redshirt freshman year, or freshman year, like Kenny, it seemed like every time he caught a punt, he
1: housed it. He did. That's like, exactly. That's, I don't understand why anybody kicked to him. Right. Made no, a, a perfect example is, uh, you look back at Iowa. The last time we beat Iowa, yep. Goodness, yep. 2014. I know. I had some. I had two big touchdowns in that game. Yep. Um, but man, DP had one. Kick, he had one punt return. They, they he returned like deep in their dang near red zone. And then Coach Ferentz kicked it to him again. Right. Like in the fourth quarter, right. it was, the second they kicked it, I couldn't believe it. I was like, "Oh, this
0: one's house suit is so. going. This is doing." I saw your you were on a uh, BTN Classics. Your your uh, ninety nine yarder against Penn State with a nice little oh, yeah. hurdle with a nice little hurdle at the end of it. I like that one. That was uh, that was good. <laughs> but which when you look at all those records, is there one? Is there one that you're most proud of? Is there one that you like? You that that is extra special to you?
1: Yeah, I think the, the one the one that I walked away from my senior year. Is that I, the one that I was most proud of is that I played more minutes and more downs than any Husker in history. Wow! Um, yeah, right. So that—that's that's crazy. That I really, yeah. I I never, you know, I did get I got banged up a little bit during my career, but I didn't miss a start after the job was passed to me, which was in the third game of the season in 2011 against Washington. Right. Right. So I was banged up, and I think I think a lot of people don't realize how banged up people get. Uh, during that time, right. when you're playing that much football that constantly at that level, uh, so that's something I'm I'm really proud of is yeah. how much how much football I played for the University of Nebraska because I I definitely left it out there.
0: Yeah, dur- durability, especially you're not the big, you know you're not the biggest dude in the world, but you were tough, you were durable, and then the thing that I was looking at, I, I think I think it's cool. So you're so right now you're I think you were number two in career receptions right now with 181. And yep. but I, I if I'm not mistaken, I should have double checked. You're tenth, you're their tenth or eleventh in single season receptions. So that means like you were consistent. You didn't yeah. have like it wasn't like you racked up. Which listen, I mean, however you get the record books is whatever. But like it wasn't like you had one monster season, then a couple other small ones. Like when I think of you, you were, you were, you were really, really good every year. And I, I like I thought that was something. I'm like, damn, that's a that's consistent right there.
1: Yeah, it was something that I. It was coaching in the atmosphere. I got I got the opportunity to show my skill set my that redshirt freshman year, and then they they knew that they could go to me. And we were never a we were never an offense that I was going to get you know 15 targets a game. You right. know, I <laughs> I knew that was never going to be the case. Uh I knew I was going to get between you know five and eight targets. So I got to go score one and try and find a way to 100. So. That was, always the, that was always the mindset, but it, it made it pretty easy because Amir Abdullah was in the backfield, so we <laughs> could run it with him 30 times a game and then throw it over the top to me. So uh, I had teammates making making me look pretty good. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows
0: and Doors, and I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And If you go onto Pella's website right now, you look at it, and how about this, one, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors. For window and doors to perform at their best and you know the Pella experts are excellent at that bottom line energy efficiency matters and making your home more comfortable and Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency check them out online PellaOmaha.com that's PellaOmaha.com you guys like it's crazy when you know you look back on it it, it is you know Quincy you uh you know you, you had in the backfield at one point at one point your backfield was ridiculous it was like rex amir braylon hurd aaron green like it was you guys were just loaded at the tight end i mean what did you have kyler and did you have yeah kyler uh, reed kyler ben reed Cotton. ben Ky- like
1: you got it was yeah. did you Did yeah. you? i mean you guys
0: were loaded man
1: loaded yeah we talk about we talk about that often we had we had a very talented football team. It was it was a shame we couldn't put it together for a Big Ten championship. But I mean, man, did we have some talent that uh right. that was special to watch and be around. I, I want uh,
0: so talk to me a little bit. I am uh, forever fascinated by Taylor Martinez. Like he's a fascinating Is person me? and player. <laughs> like. It, it, especially his uh your redshirt year he had one of the craziest seasons you'll ever have like he had 300 yeah. total yards at washington and then people forget he was like pulled against yeah. south dakota state and you guys had to grind to win that game at one point he went to oklahoma state and out justin blackman and brandon yeah. wheaton he like what what was give me give me something on taylor like what was what was he like day to day what was it like at, what was he like as a leader because he doesn't have that uh you know, when you think of a of a quarter, I'm doing air quotes, a quarterback leader, he doesn't have right. like the type of personality you would think would fit that. But that's me only going off of what I see in the media and all that stuff. Give me some Taylor talk because this dude's fascinating to me.
1: Yeah, Taylor's one of the most talented individuals I've ever been around. Right, he's incredibly athletic. Um, what what stinks of what stinks about Taylor's situation is that he gets that rep at, or that rep that representation of. You know, he doesn't fit the ideal, you know, leader, you know, college quarterback leader. You know, and at the time you got guys like Tebow and Johnny Manziel where everyone's expecting, you know, a Heisman kind of candidate quarterback to have this big personality. And, you know, I, in my experience, uh, the quarterback position isn't always like that. They're not those big, big energy kind of guys I think of um, when I played with Jameis Winston compared to when I played with Joe Flacco, you know, very, very different demeanors very very different leadership styles but I mean still very much fantastic quarterbacks so um, I think it was a little bit of the expectations of what Taylor should be and how he should act that was detriment to his representation within you know the media or within what the University of Nebraska should be I think a perfect a great example is Bo Uh, Mm -hmm. Bo Pelini is one heck of a football coach he, was, he had us doing great things on the football field. He had us being great students. He had us being good men in the community. However, you know, the optics of things didn't fit, you know, what the University of Nebraska is, you know, mm-hmm. or wants to be. Right. So I think that's, that, those kind of things play a, play a big, uh, big role in someone's mentality. And someones and how they want to interact you know with the community and with the media, so I think that's kind of where where Taylor found himself in a rock in a hard place, and that's where our headman found found himself right in a, uh, you know
0: what, what was that because I wrote that down because you kind you brought up Bo I wanted to pick your brain on Bo because yeah, how much could you guys, Kenny feel the noise, feel the narratives, feel the heat surrounding? Bo Polini when you were playing, because I, I mean, I feel like enough time has passed now. Like I was told I was told that some of the assistants told a handful of media members before the Iowa game in 2013. So this would have been your junior year, like basically yeah. told them for the game, like, hey, it, like really appreciate all the coverage you guys have helped out with or whatever. Like they were saying their goodbye, like they thought they were going to get fired. And then obviously yeah. Bo wasn't and he was brought back for another year. But like. I didn't when I played there wasn't, you know, there wasn't social media like this and there wasn't right. daily sports talk radio like this. Like how much did that stuff get to you guys in the locker room and can you could feel that?
1: It wasn't so much like social media or anything like that. It was really once uh, TO was was out and they brought in iCourse.
0: Okay, yeah. There's
1: a there was a lot of things that changed culturally around um, the stadium that if unless you were there every single day you wouldn't really see it. But when that move was happened it wasn't just from the coaching staff. We felt it throughout the entire building. It immediately came, became, you know, the administration wants things done a certain way or bows out, you know, and that, that, that kind of signal that bows time was coming. Was, was not received well from the second floor and down to the first floor where our locker room was at. So um, we, we had a, a pretty good idea what the administration was trying to get accomplished so we didn't yeah. vibe well with them. And that's, you know, that end result was kind of uh, what happened. And now being, I was a 17, 16, 17, 18 year old, or excuse me, I was 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. Right. Um, I was probably naive to, well, I'll, I'm, I'm shamelessly, you know, admitting I was probably naive to some of the stuff that was going on. Sure. Um, all I knew was that I was severely dedicated to a man that had sacrificed a lot for me to try and make me a better man and had taught me a lot so um I knew where where I was residing
0: well I I think the one thing that I feel like I'm incredibly lucky with 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 my career so you know I played for Bill Self at two years for two years at Kansas he's still there like he's still the guy you know he's still there I I I played for Dana Altman at Creighton you know he leaves on good terms he goes to Oregon he's doing his thing I'm still cool with all the coaches at Creighton like it's I what is it like Kenny and it's, it's better now because Frost is back and, like, it feels more like, I don't know, it just feels better. Maybe the, uh, this is, like, a, not a former player saying this, but so I don't want to put yeah. words in your mouth. But, like, it's got to be hard on one hand, Kenny, where it's like, okay, you love the University of Nebraska. You love Lincoln, Nebraska. You love Nebraska football. So you have your love for that. But then what you're talking about, too, is this love for a coach and a man and a coaching staff that gave you everything. Right. Those guys get get – fired and and tossed to the side and here comes in this new regime like that's got to be hard internally where it's like okay, I want to support the University of Nebraska because I love it but I want to be loyal to to Bo what was what was the first couple years of Riley like for you in observing that kind of battling those two things internally
1: well I think I think that was my first like rude rude awakening to what football really is And how it, how it is treated in our culture, right? Like it's a, it is a business. There is no loyalty to one person. There's loyalty to the machine, right? Mm -hmm. There's there's loyalty just to the organizations, which I've always been really conflicted with, whether it's, whether it's a coach or a player, you know, um, people, people being angry with a player or a coach for getting in a better situation or being fired, you know, like those things happen in this business. Um, the severe loyalty to the brand and to the organization is what's kind of confusing. But I also, at the the same time, I understand it because the University of Nebraska has always been fantastic to me, you know, whether it's the fan bases or the new coaches, Coach Riley was great to me. Every time I came back, it felt like home. And I actually played against him in San Antonio, when he was coaching for the AAF in San Antonio. Um, So I've always enjoyed my interactions with Coach Riley and Coach Ross. I mean, now it feels like it's right back at home with, I mean, uh, Bill Moose is fantastic to me. And coach Frost actually recruited me to Oregon out, um, out of high school. So uh, we have a relationship going back to then. So I, uh, it, it has, it has been a struggle at times just cause I want to see us do well, Sure. but I'm also not going to be someone that just stands outside and throws rocks from a glass house, you know? I, yeah. Um, I believe in, I believe in what they got going on and if, if they don't get it right, I believe they will you know the the decisions will be made that they will I'm I'm not going to stand here and be very critical I'm just going to stand I'm going to be as uh, supporting as I possibly can right
0: you know that's I mean that's it's a good attitude to have and it's hard you know I mean because like you former players carry so much weight in the state and amongst the fan base and amongst kind of the vibe and the temperature around the program and it's like that can be hard, you know, when things aren't going well, uh, you know, there are some former players that'll be vocal. And, you know, that's always, that's, that's one of the things that can be challenging is navigating that as a former player with understanding that like, you know, what you say, what you tweet, what you talk about, even in this, like a podcast like this, like matters, you know, like, cause people oh, listen to it. it matters. I don't know
1: for a guy at that would go to the university in Nebraska and then not, not realize what his tweets and what the things he says around town matters. Um, it does. And that's when you, that's when you start to, you know, flirt with a pretty volatile culture. When yep. you got to worry about reining in the alumni because they're mad about the play calls, you know, you know what, man, I, I bet you uh, made some bad calls or bad plays right. in your time right. when right. someone was watching you from the couch. Why don't, why don't you just be supportive? Yeah. I'm with
0: you. Um,
1: so, I think, yeah, I think, I think some, some, some things should be said, Sure. you know, if there's, there's things that are, you know, wrong going on, but I think, you know, to sit there and tweet about you know what plays are being called during halftime—that's that.
0: That's yeah, not good. No. that's not good. You know, no. Um, no. I, I mean, this is great. Like I, this, I've, I've so many things I've always wanted to ask you, just because, especially like that, your, your four years, there were so many interesting things going on. Do you? I hope you don't mind me asking you this. Do you remember the audio yeah. tape after the Ohio State game when you guys had the amazing oh, yeah. comeback in the rain? Do you remember the audio tape? Do you remember hearing it? Where, Absolutely. Where, okay, what, I remember, give me, hear, yeah, yeah, give I remember it hearing me. it that night. Okay, well, what do you remember about that? What was the vibe like? Like, what was that like? Because
1: that was crazy. Well, it was tough because the week before, we got our teeth kicked in um, by the Badgers. And yep. anytime, you, uh, anytime you lose a game and you're coming back home, the expectation is to win. And I don't know if – I mean, not very many people may, maybe realize this or appreciate it, but those 2011 and 2012 schedules were just unbelievable. Crazy tough. I mean, we went Wisconsin, then we went Michigan, then we had Sparty, then, I mean, then we had Penn State, then we had Iowa. I mean, it was right. just uh, – it was death's row. It was the green mile of the <laughs> color football. You know that. I mean? right. um So we came back after getting our butts whipped by Wisconsin in the inaugural game by – Russell Wilson Russell and Monty Wilson. Ball and Toon. Right. Uh, um, yeah. Who was the true. white
0: uh, Aberderis? Jared Aberderis. Yep, yeah, yep. he was nice.
1: Abracadabra was on that team. Yep. Just you know, just another solid Wisconsin football team. Yep. Um, so we're we're just getting our we're just getting our butts whipped again, and it's halftime. And I think we were down seventeen, maybe seventeen or twenty. I think it was the biggest comeback in school history. But we were walking, we were walking in. And, I mean, we were getting booed. Right.
0: And I was not, at the game. Not
1: like kind of, right. you know, a couple of boo birds. Like, we were getting booed. Um, I mean, we were down 17 to Ohio State. Like, give right. me a break. Right. We come, we come in, and Bo's always kind of been real fiery, kind of us against the world kind of guy. Yep. And uh, he's telling me, you know, you hear that? Uh, it's us. It's us in here. And that might have been, like, the first seeds of, you know, our locker room really – Kind of becoming a real chip on the shoulder yep. kind of group against everyone, the media, the, the yep. community a bit. Um, but yeah, after we came back and won that game, Bo came in fired up. So I knew he was already hot, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I, right. So I saw him go back into the equipment room. So that was—I already knew he was really upset with how we got treated that night um, because I was walking in behind him after the game. And he was kind of under his breath, just pissed, you know, just sure. angry. Yeah, because um, you know everyone's cheering now. We just beat him, <laughs> right? Right. Um, but yeah, that that kind of I remember hearing the audio tape, and I, I mean, in my mind, I was like, yeah, of course. I mean, who, he... <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, I, I was. I can't say I didn't feel the same way. Like you're in your home stadium, and you're the University of Nebraska, and you're getting booed. Right. That, that that's tough.
0: Right. Um, right.
1: Now was it a what now? was it the right thing to say? Absolutely not. You know, you don't, you don't talk about that, talk about people like that, but the feelings that that feeling that raw, you know, wronged by, you know, who you feel as supposed to be your supporters. I, you know, I, I feel them on that one. I do I too. Yeah.
0: Right. The more I thought about that, like I remember at the time your are your, you're, you're like, your knee jerk visceral reaction when you hear it is like, how dare Bo Pelini, what are you talking about? But I don't know. Like, Think about truthfully getting booed in your home stadium like that. Like, yeah, you
1: know, and, and you don't think, you don't think the Buckeyes loved hearing that. Right. Well, yeah.
0: and <laughs> I, I tell people all the time, like sometimes, uh, there should be like a cooling off period after yeah. a win or a loss. Like sometimes, you know, what it is like you, you go back in the locker room and you're just like, you, everything's, everything is revving high. Like, right. and, and it's just unfortunate that it, it, it played out the way it did, but I, yeah, I can, I, you know, the further, the further you get removed from stuff, you're like, yeah, I can understand why Bo would, would maybe kind of react like that.
1: Right. There was, I mean, there was just a few, there's there's wins that just felt like losses uh, in my time there. And that, that's, that's kind of what stinks sometimes. Yeah. Cause you over, you overlook, you know, what it's all about because winning a football game is hard. I don't care who you're playing. You know, the prep, the preparation that goes into a Saturday, I think really, a lot of people don't appreciate, and I'm not. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. No, 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 you're I, not. Right. A lot of the average fan does not understand or appreciate how much goes into a football game, or I mean, any sports game—basketball, hockey, you name it.
0: But um, hey, you're, you're totally right. I mean, listen, I was doing daily sports talk radio during that time, so I was living in that world, and I, I get, like it was like that. And I think I think people appreciate it now. I think right. I think people felt like, and I probably succumbed to it a little bit too, like. Winning nine games a year, that should be a given. Going nine and three is easy when you're at Nebraska. Well, I think we yeah, found yeah. out it's not. Like, it's, yeah. it, it's not. And so there's, that had to have been hard for you it guys is. where you're busting your ass, you're doing all this stuff, you're finding a way to win, and because Amir Abdullah has to make an amazing play to beat, beat McNeese State or something like that, like, everybody's mad because they feel like it was a loss. It's like, well, we won, yeah. you know? Like, that's hard.
1: Yeah, survive in advance, and it, I mean it is, and it, it just feels so personal, right? Because yeah. you like you're a kid, all you do, you I mean you wake up at five thirty in the morning, you go to practice, you hit the weights, you go to school, you're doing everything you possibly can, you know, to win football games. Uh, it just it feels so personal, and you know it's not supposed to be, um, but it, I mean it is, it 100 percent is. You you're dedicating you know your life to something. Um, it, it it hurts to be told you know you stink.
0: <laughs> right. right, Or it's not good. You won, but we didn't win. You didn't win how we right. wanted you to win. <laughs> you know, like how a, we expected. Yeah, you. Right. It's okay. there's a little bit of that. I Yeah. Real quick. And I'm sure this this night is brutal for you. But I want to ask you about the 2012 Big Ten title game, because oh, I, I would say I was talking to Bo Root about this. I'm like, I'm not so sure there wasn't a game. It might be the most astonished I've ever been at how a game unfolded because you guys had beat them at home earlier in the year you beat wisconsin 30 to 27 you beat them at home
1: and then I we had had battled them we yeah yeah it was a a good game Yeah, it was wisconsin
0: yes and then i think you had won six in a row to get to the big 10 title game
1: yeah i mean in six six i think of those six i think five of them were fourth quarter comebacks yes
0: yes right how how stunned were you like when you took no one takes the field thinking we're gonna get our ass kicked you know but like right. did you how how was how shocked were you with how the game
1: played out I, I man I don't even know if shocked is like the right word because that that was just such an emotionally um tumultuous <laughs> season yeah, you know was. we got absolutely obliterated by Ohio State um at the horseshoe yep And Bo doesn't ever say something like this, but he came in and said, we need to win out. Yep. You know, he doesn't really say, like, that's not something the head man says, you know, he he comes in and uses that, you know, one game at a time, but he came in and was just on fire and told us, you know, we got to win out. You got to win every game from here on out. And then we did that (laughs) in a pretty astonishing way. And we are heading into that big 10 championship on cloud nine. You know, finally, we're going to get a a big 10 championship. We're going to go to the Rose bowl Right. and we're going to put it on, you know, at that time it was Stanford, I believe was partying in the backfield. I, I was really wanting to get after a pac 12 team. Yeah. And man, it, it, they just kept running that jet sweep. and I, it felt like uh, I was in the twilight zone, right. you know, I just, it was the same play over and over again. And that was a Melvin Gordon's coming out party. Right. And I was like, we get to see this kid for three more years. Great. <laughs> right. um, so that was, yeah, I mean to this day, if there is a if there was a worse night in football that, that I would say the twenty twelve Big Ten championship would be a pretty uh unanimous vote right. for anybody that played between, you know, 09 and right. uh, thirteen. Hey, what's
0: it like that, cause that game did feature something that lives on in you know, internet infamy now and that's your your block. <laughs> your 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 yeah. big block that that uh you know it's on every highlight tape, like it's everywhere, right? But if I'm not, you got a, you got flagged for that. Didn't you get, did you get flagged? Yeah, I did. Yeah. What? Okay. Uh, so what take me so, through that whole play, because that's one of the most, even though it was a flag, like who cares? Like you, you yeah, lit this dude up. Like, give me, give me the, what do you remember about that play?
1: Yeah. I, I remember exactly. We were running scissors as of one of our old like play action pass plays where, uh, I was on the, I was on the backside and I was just running my guy off so we could clear the over the double post coming, yep. um, from the other side. And, uh, I was running my guy off and Jamal caught the over route. My guy was like, my DB wasn't really paying attention, but I could see that Devin Smith was right on Jamal's tail. So I just kind of slowed down. And honestly, I didn't run run real fast. It just timed up perfectly. (laughs) I caught him right with both cleats off the ground. And I hit him and I knew that I hit him really hard. (laughs) 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 Um, And I, I, I didn't want to like celebrate over the guy. Um, I just didn't, yeah. I had a feeling you might be kind of hurt. So I walked away and everyone on my sideline was absolutely losing it. And I was telling people, you know, just calm down. Right. And then I saw the laundry on the field. So they're, they're talking about it for a while. And, you know, Devin, Devin was down for a bit. Um, I, I'm glad he's okay. I, I went and saw him after the game as well, right. um, but he was fine. When I, I went over to talk to the referees and they had called a personal foul, they called unnecessary roughness. Cause at the time, you know, there was no blindside blocks or anything right. like that. And uh, I asked the ref, you can see in the video, I asked the ref, uh, what was the call for? And he said, we got to throw a flag when you hit him that hard. And I, that's when I threw my hands up and I was like, we're playing football. You know, I'm oh not, uh, you know, I'm not one to really argue with the ref, but at that time there was no crackback or illegal blind side block or anything like that. So I thought, I just saw a defender about to tackle my, my, Your my teammate. teammate and I just hit him, you know? Yeah, <laughs>
0: The Nick Bob podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Runza. Everybody that knows my athletic background, you know, I was a quarterback in high school. But, you know, I believe in establishing the run game. And even more than that, I believe in establishing the Runza game. That's an original Runza cheeseburger. Some onion rings, double dipped in a homemade batter. a Little bit of a pop to top it off. You know, in football, you establish a run. But at lunch, you establish the Runza. It's just that simple so get out to runza today and establish the runza game or check out the delicious salads you got the chicken bacon ranch salad sweet berry chicken salad and my personal favorite the southwest chicken salad you got to get out to runza establish a runza game or get a salad either way you are going to leave satisfied runza makes it all better i never know what to do like what are you supposed to do i always think like you know whether it's targeting or whatever, like every rule should provide you with don't do like in basketball, you can't take two steps. Like you can't take four steps. You have to take two. Okay. Got it. I'll take two steps instead. Like that, that specific spot, what are you supposed to really do other than right. let Devin Smith tackle your teammate?
1: Right. I mean, it's a, like, it's not a play that's seldomly seen in football, you know, with the defender chasing a, uh, the player with the ball and you know guys get hurt getting tackled from behind all the time right Uh, so yeah I mean uh, is it a is it a terrible rule no I wouldn't say it's a terrible rule because I don't think the game should be about how hard you can hit other people right you know it's definitely it's definitely a game of physicality and dominating and you know asserting your will but I don't think it should ever be about you know, trying to snap someone's helmet back to, yeah, know, right, to their right, numbers.
0: Right. So, but it sounds uh, like you weren't necessarily trying to do that. Like you just, no, like, I it, really wasn't. like, it just aligned like that. You had to get him off Jamal and
1: it just happened. If you watch, if you watch the film, it's not like I sprint dead as fast as I can and put my, hel- like my right. shoulder helmet in the kid's chest. Um, I was really just timing it up. You don't have to hit people that hard. No, they don't see you coming. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, knew, I knew that there was plenty of force, um, but yeah, I, I'm not going to be too critical of the rule because right. I, I want to keep guys safe. I don't, you know, I don't no, want to see on the field is right. a medical team out there, you know, you know, carting guys off. So, um, but it is, it's hard to define what a player should do. And also, we play football. You right. know, at the end of the day, it it's is dangerous, it man. Is a very physical, and I mean, at the end of the day, pretty dangerous game. So,
0: uh, one last thing, because Taylor had an amazing touchdown run early in that game. One of the most amazing scramble, yeah. like eighty, is nuts. Yeah, but, it was incredible. If if you two, if you two line up on the goal line and sprint hundred yards, is he faster than you?
1: Yeah, Taylor. Uh, okay. If you give me a hundred, I'd probably get Taylor because my my stride. Yep. But 40 yards, Taylor. I'm pretty sure Taylor would cook me at 40 yards. That's what I was gonna add. Like his, it may, his it. acceleration. Oh,
0: was, Kenny! Like I, I'll never like the somebody, first yeah. when we saw him in the. I saw him in the spring because you'd heard rumblings about this Taylor Martinez kid, this Taylor We're, Martinez kid, and like he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna, be, he's gonna start over Zach Lee. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. And Bo kept everything under wraps pretty good. And like I remember seeing him in the. I don't know if it was a spring game, like, but the first time, ho- dude, took off. You're like, whoa. Like that. Yeah. That is. There's fast, and then there is, you know, that that first ten to fifteen yards. I'm yeah. not sure I've seen a faster
1: guy. Me, me neither. I'm not sure. That's a. I don't know if I'm, I've seen a faster ten to twenty five yards than Taylor Martinez. Right. It, that, that that twenty that 2010 season. I mean, when you look back at when Washington, uh, K State, yup. Oklahoma State. I mean, he was. Yeah, he, he was, was one, one of the best in the in the, in the country. Even 2011, he played phenomenal.
0: Right. Well, in 2012, if I'm not mistaken, he was first team All Conference. I think in 2012, yeah. he was first team All Big Ten. You were second team, and then in like he yeah, he was uh yeah, he just he was you know he he. Like you said, he didn't fit the bill of what people thought a quarterback should be. He did fumble a little bit. Uh, he wasn't the most natural runner in the world. Like, 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 there are certain guys that have a more like Eric Crouch had a more nat,
1: Like yeah. he knew how to get into contact. Well, he was a he was a great runner, just not on a football field. Right? Like right. he didn't know he didn't know how to not get absolutely smoked. Right? You yes. know, there's a there's an art to. That's one thing that I, I you're right. I was I'm a skinny I'm a twig. You know, I was never a big huge guy, but I. There's just ways to avoid getting crushed that or right. that really hard right. contact. Right. That he didn't and know how to do. He didn't he didn't do that very well and we asked him to run between the tackles and right. doing that in the big ten is I mean it gets physical. It gets tough in there. <laughs>
0: very physical. My God. I'm not I if that dude had a seam and he could he could rev it up, I'm not sure there was a dude that was faster in a ten to fifteen yard increment than that guy. I don't think nuts.
1: I don't think anybody in the country offensively <laughs> right. defensively
0: could have right. caught him
1: if he hit a seam and got to go full speed. No, yeah, it was there, a wrap. It was oh. it was a, a definite wrap.
0: I uh, I don't. Okay, so with with this year's team, Kenny. I'm not sure when you were doing the spring game how much you got to be around whether it's practice or just talk to the coaches. Was there one big and then watching the spring game? Was there big one big takeaway like man, I think they've really took, they've really improved here or I really like this player? Was there what was one big takeaway when you took off the headset after all that in what in absorbing spring ball and where Nebraska's heading right now?
1: So the spring game was kind of tough. Because I was so caught up in trying to broadcast and not sound like an idiot for right. my first job ever, sure. you know, yeah. it was hard to get a taste of really what the what the talent was for the team. What I can say is that I believe that they're improved at every position, which is I love to see. Um, my biggest takeaway is that the energy um, really comes from the defensive the defensive back unit. Right. Um, that secondary is very talented. I mean, they're loaded. And they bring a lot of energy, which is – I haven't I don't know if I've ever really seen that out of a team where um, the energy and the vocal and the leaders are in the secondary. Um, I'm interested to see how that plays out throughout the season. I'm interested to – honestly, to watch Cam Taylor Britt. I can't wait to watch that young man play football this year. Right. What do you – when you
0: look at the wide receivers and, and kind of what's happened after, st- after the first year of Frost, Stanley leaves, and it's just been, listen, it is what it is. We're not, you know, throwing stones at people here. Like, it's just that that group has kind of struggled. What, what have you seen with the wide receivers? Like, uh, being a guy that's one of the best to ever do it at Nebraska, there's, a, there's an art to it, route running, uh, getting separation, all that stuff, catching in traffic, whatever. What have you seen that
1: just hasn't really happened with the, with the passing game? Well, it's, it's interesting. I think we just need to find an identity, right? Okay. Like then that's easier to teach your receivers what their job is. I knew what my job was um, at the, during my time there, I was there to block for Amir Abdullah, Tommy or Taylor, you know, and those guys in the backfield for, uh, if we had 70 plays, that's what I was doing for 60 of them or 55 of them. Um, And then I'd get an opportunity to go score a touchdown and, get my name in the paper you know right, then right. actual make a difference so once we have a role defining uh or I guess yeah more so role defining plays for those I don't want to say plays but I know what you're saying they, yeah you know what I mean I think we just need to have more of a um an identity yeah. I guess that's that's really that's really what I think we've lacked a little bit are we are we are we trying to pound them and go over the top are we trying to go quick game you know it's it's right. it's been hit or miss a little bit, and I don't think that's necessarily the coach's fault or the right. players' fault. I think it's everybody's fault, right? Mm-hmm. I think we need to get on, on the same page and uh start rolling.
0: What do you see when you look at Adrian Martinez? Because you know, he's uh you know, we all know about his career has been very interesting. He was a Heisman candidate after his freshman year. Then, you know, he's been a little banged up at times. Uh I think what we're talking about, I think some some different things around him have kind of like made it his job harder. That's the beauty of football, is like you know everything's so intertwined, like the the O line affects the receivers and all that stuff. What have you? What do you see when you look at Adrian Martinez, and what kind of a year do you think he's going to have?
1: Right. um Well, when I think of football, all I can think about is team. Right. Mm-hmm. I think I believe it's the greatest team game in the world. You can't. You literally cannot do it without all eleven guys firing and doing their job correctly. Uh, so when I look at Taylor, I see one of the best teammates i've ever seen in a college football player The his resiliency uh the things that have transpired over his career and how he has reacted to them uh lets me know what type of young man he is lets me know what type of leader he is so i already know he's a very talented individual but all those things compiled together let me know that he's built for success so right. given the correct opportunity uh he he's going to be successful
0: um what do you, I mean, you were a guy, and I'm, I, I know you've probably been asked about this before, but, you know, the name, image, likeness stuff is going to pass here. You were a guy that I think would have, you had. You, you were very popular um, when you were playing at Nebraska. You were a guy that probably would have made some money off of yourself. I, th- I don't know what you, I think there's a, I think there's something fundamentally wrong that someone can't make money off themselves. But at the same time, I think. It's a slippery slope. I think it's going to create some unintended consequences that could make things really, really interesting. Like I think the devil is in the details with this thing. What do you see with name, image, likeness coming into to college sports?
1: Yeah, man, it's a can of worms there because I've always been an advocate on being able to make money off yourself. Obviously, right? Yep. I've kind of had a big issue with that, um, not being able to own your own identity. But you're you're absolutely right. It's going to be things are going to change, right? Because kids are going to see that they can make money out their likeness and they're going to want to be in markets where they can do that. So um, how the recruit, how that affects recruiting, where talent is going, how that affects programs in smaller markets, you know? Right. Um, I think there's just so much stuff to unpack there that the only way to really undo that or unpack that is to start um, <laughs> start over the next few years. You right. know? So I think there's going to be a lot of unforeseen consequences that may not be that great um but uh we're, we're gonna find out it looks right. like so um i'm not i'm not a, i'm not against it right because mm-hmm. i i do support these guys making money off themselves in a multi-billion dollar market that's going on uh but it is it, it is probably going to be a pretty fragile situation
0: right and it might be a little rocky the first couple of years and then they'll kind of get a handle on it hopefully but I, i'm with you i think it could be interesting to see what it all looks like what about the what about the one-time transfer thing, being able to to transfer and be eligible immediately? I think, like, football, there's a non-negotiable level of patience that comes with being a football player that, you know, you just got to get to where you're – like, you got to get right physically. You got to get right – like, and those things take time. That I wonder what that will look like for football. What do you think of the one-time transfer rule?
1: Like, like again, it's so, it's so tough because – in a perfect world, right? There shouldn't be a one-time transfer world or a one-time transfer kind of rule like that that enables guys to transfer because the university and the coaches should be having the um, the best of opportunity and have the best things in mind for every single player, right? But you know, <laughs> um, that's just not how things always operate, right? right? So now our kids, our kids, just running from. Um, you know, some accountability and having to work hard and earn a spot, or they just have looking for the easiest way out, or, you know, are some of these coaches and some of these programs not doing the things that they should be doing the right way or by the right way for the kids. That's making these, that's making these kids feel neglected and that they need to go to a different school. I think it's a mixture of both. I don't think it's, I don't think one party owns more responsibility than either. Um, But again, it's going to be one of those things that's, it's definitely going to, Affect the landscape of college football. Right, um, so I'm interested to see um, how that goes and how that affects the culture of football in general. You know, right. football has generally been a uh, you got to pay your dues to.
0: That's what I'm saying.
1: Turn. Yeah, um, that that is just looking like it's starting to turn more towards of a business mentality, like the NFL is. What's the best opportunity, and where can I um, can I land? Right. I just,
0: i would be interesting. I mean, again, I I still think like. It's weird. I think we're in lockstep. Like I'm, 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 I'm for people being able to make money off their their name, image, and likeness. I think they're I think it's a slippery slope or a can of worms, as you put it. I I think there's something like if if a coach can go to what he deems can he le- he leaves and he can go to a place where he deems is the best situation for himself. That same opportunity should be afforded for a player. But like, you know how all that stuff gets executed in in college sports. Like I do get. I do wonder if like. I'm, are we succumbing to like the doomsday scenarios to be like college football is going to be ruined and it's not going to right. be
1: unrecognizable? Like, I don't know. I don't I, I think uh, that's probably too much. Yeah. I don't, I don't agree with that. Like, yeah. I don't think it's just going to like going to ruin the game or anything like that. But I as a, will put it this way. I wouldn't want to be a coach, right? man, because now now not only do you got to deal with winning games, but now you got to deal with the the critics telling you that you're not running a good enough program because some kids aren't perfectly happy with the way you treat them, you know, because right, right. man, if I, <laughs> I wouldn't have just transferred, but I mean, some coaching's tough, you, Very know? you tough. Get, get on guys. Some of these, some of these kids aren't from an environment that they've been really yelled at before. Right. And now they want to leave your school. And the ramifications are added. <laughs> I mean, right. it's bad, bad time to do a, College football coach. Yeah,
0: really, really tough. By the way, what was yeah. what when you, when Scott Frost recruited you? What he, was he? Did you like him? Like back in the day? Oh, I, yeah, yeah, I loved him. Yeah, I
1: just there was no way I was going to Oregon. It was too far. Like I said, I'm a baby. It
0: was too <laughs> far from home. Listen, you, okay, so you said it's seven seven hour drive for you. It was three hours and fifteen minutes from Lawrence, Kansas to Lincoln, Nebraska. So I feel you, man. Yeah. I came home all the time. <laughs> I I that's how that's how uh, that's how I used to do it. Kenny Bell. What
1: you, yeah, what are you doing this weekend? Going yeah, home. Going We're home. Just last
0: week. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it is uh real quick i want a little rapid fire to wrap this thing up um most talented player you played with at nebraska was who
1: oh man most talented Yeah, randy gregory oh i forgot
0: about rg44 yeah. man
1: Un- unbelievable he was a
0: beast yeah. <laughs> I mean,
1: it was he, incredible man yeah he is just oh my god not much more to say about that. They're just, yeah, by yeah. far the most talented, probably most talented and most freak athletic individual I've ever witnessed in my life. You
0: know, this team, this Nebraska team could use a Randy Gregory. Every team could use a Randy Gregory, but they yeah, need someone thinking, to get
1: after my goodness, the, I think the Dallas Cowboys right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, not just Nebraska, Dallas needs them, yeah. you know. Uh, you played a lot of crazy games in your time in Nebraska. What was the craziest? The cra- like when you think of like man this game was you could when you got back to locker room you could just hardly believe it.
1: The by far the craziest game I ever played was that home game my senior year when we played Miami.
0: Oh yeah, right. Yeah, the yep. 41, that 41-31 Amir went nuts. Randy Randy Gregory played really good in that game. Atmosphere was yep. it was a night game. It was rocking.
1: It. Josh Mitchell got in a fight with their starting left tackle. <laughs> I, I mean it was that that night was just madness yeah. and they the atmosphere within the state and within memorial was unbelievable they they had the 95 96 teams and the one no. team's there I mean it was it it was rocking that night
0: there yeah it was uh because but I, I thought I looked up were you were you banged up for the Hail Mary the Ron Kellogg Westgate were you because were you yeah, on the, for the field for that play I, I didn't play
1: that whole game yeah. I had uh I like in the first quarter I tweaked a growing right that's what I thought okay
0: because I because I've seen that play and I'm like I don't remember seeing Kenny Bell on that play and yeah, I, I couldn't remember I was on the sidelines yeah yeah that that game you know what the most incredible play of that game was I don't know if you remember Amir Years
1: fourth down conversion,
0: unbelievable. It's one of the it's one of the best individual yeah. efforts. Maybe it even it, now this might be crazy. Like the McNeese State touchdown to win the game was nuts. He broke fifty six tackles on that play. But like yeah. that play, that fourth down conversion was one of the most incredible individual plays I've seen in like twenty years.
1: Yeah, I can't tell you like the, we would have lost to McNeese State. You know, so yeah. I can't say that the fourth down conversion was bigger like that. I mean, but as, as far as the biggest play of that game, it wasn't the Hail Mary. I, I I do believe that. Yeah, it was right. it was a fourth down conversion. That's, that's exactly right. <laughs> started in the backfield right. and ne- teleported twelve yards for a first down. By the way, how
0: quickly did you like first practice? Did y'all look at each other and go like when Amir toted the rock? Were you guys like, whoa, is this guy like? Did you did you see it right away? Like what? Well, how, what well, was that like? Then,
1: back then, Amir came in as like the the unknown back. Right back then he came in with Aaron Green and Braylon Hurd. Right. And everybody was talking about Braylon and Aaron uh, and Amir just consistently performed throughout the entire camp. Right. Um, so I wasn't—I wouldn't say it was the very first run. It was just throughout the whole camp. It was like, who's this dude from Alabama with dreads? <laughs> or, you know, people forget he had you know, people yeah, he forget did. that Amir had dreads when he first got to Nebraska. Right. <laughs> Um, to see to see his transformation, especially after playing with Rex Burkhead, who is man, one of my favorite teammates of all time. Um, to have gotten to share my senior year with Amir and captainship with him and to this day we talk almost daily. Right. Um that's a that's a dude that I admire that um not only time because of his time as a teammate and as a football player, but just as a man and who he is. Man, that guy was Incredible to watch.
0: What Outside of the 2012 Big Ten title game, we're taking that out. Which loss hurt the most? What was the one that just stung, still bothers you?
1: Man, honestly, the one that's – it was a win, and it was when we beat Iowa. Um, okay. When we, we – Are you talking I mean, about in 2014? Really thought, we really thought by beating Iowa, we had saved uh, – Bo. And his job. Yeah. Then to, wake up, to wake up the next morning at, like to an email at 6.30, and they fired Bo. Man, that was – that was brutal. That yeah. was that was probably like the most heart wrenching time at Nebraska. Right. So that d- that yeah, because
0: that was not only did you beat Iowa, but you guys truly felt like, man, we might have saved this dude.
1: Yeah. Right. But so really, we I, I you know, I had gotten knocked I had I had gotten knocked out of the game before. Like I don't even remember playing Minnesota that senior that senior yeah. game. Okay. I had forgot yeah. that we lost to Minnesota. Oh man. Um, so yeah, that that wasn't good. Right.
0: Um What's your uh, greatest wide
1: receiver of all time? Who is it? Greatest wide receiver of all time. Oof, man, that's tough. Because there's so many ways to dissect that. Yeah, there's a lot of different would, ways. Say, but you you can take say, it how you want to take it. You can take it where you want to take it. Yeah, I was gonna say like the most talented. Um, and if I was like if I had that level of talent, man, would I be? I would say Terrell Owens. Okay, Tito, but my favorite, my favorite receiver of all time that that like made me want to play football was Tim Brown. Tim Brown, I love it. I did not expect the Uh, Tim Brown drop. In high school, I used to tape my fingers and everything. I loved Tim Brown
0: growing up. So that's a good one. What about okay? Without naming yourself, and you wouldn't because you're you're a humble dude. (laughs) <laughs> greatest wide receiver of a, who? who's, who's your, no, I won't say greatest because you might piss off some other of your fellow wide receivers at Nebraska. Who's your, <laughs> which wide receiver in Nebraska football history did you just like, man, I love this guy. I love watching that guy play.
1: Man. Um God, That's tough. There's a
0: lot. There's a bunch of them, man. I, t- yeah. I love Nate Swift. I love I, Todd Peterson. Like, I love Stanley. <laughs> Stanley was a great
1: player. Stanley was fantastic. And like. Stanley I, man, I might have to go with Stan. Yeah. Cause Stan made me like really I it was I was an alumni now and Stan made me really proud of the room.
0: You right. know, right. He
1: was breaking my records. I, I remember I saw I saw Stan book his senior year before the Illinois game and I was like, Bro, go for three hundred today. Like set <laughs> please set every record possible. Um, you know, make make them build a statue of you in that wide receiver room. Right. Um, I was al- I was always real supportive of Stan. I wanted to see him. I was I couldn't have been happier that he finally broke that thousand yard record. I was like, man, we need a receiver over a thousand yards. Not one in school history. So, yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, I probably have to go with Stan.
0: You know, I mean it's let's be honest it's good that the dude that supplants you it would it'd have been no fun if it had been a guy that you don't like i know you would have never said it but it would suck <laughs> if, if a guy that would have broke your record like man i can't stand that guy but i gotta, no, gotta say right
1: past his picture over mine in the hallway every time. I'm there.
0: You, don't, you don't want that at all yeah. you don't want that to happen yeah um, it's gonna
1: be easier to explain to the kids uh yes you know at least it's my buddy that beat me not, yes not some know. random dude that you're you not not really the guy like. that's not allowed at the barbecue Who who's uh jordan
0: Westercamp got better hands than kenny bell or has kenny bell got better hands than jordan Westercamp?
1: oh westy definitely has better hands than me <laughs> westy had not, some hands man That's not even that's not even that's not really close <laughs> look at you yeah, i can i can separate but right i can't get like westy
0: westy was a beast man he was he had a hell of a career too um last <laughs> one favorite favorite food spot in lincoln i know you're a foodie i know you love lincoln what's when when you come back to Lincoln, you got to go grub. Where's where's a give me a couple spots or the the top spot?
1: Yeah, so traditionally I always go to Single Barrel just because okay. that's like it was right across from Embassy Suites. Yep. Um, but I love that place. My parents loved it. Um, I still go there all the time. My favorite burger joint is Lead Bellies. Yep. Man, I love Lead Bellies. And then the new spot uh, used to be a food truck, but now it's now it, they, he. Uh, his name's nick maestress i think his last name is he opened right. a spot called los muchachos mm-hmm. and this place oh, man some of the not only some of the best barbecue but just the vibe and the people i oh, mean it's a great spot right in lincoln so i love it those man. are those are, the, those are the three i'm definitely going to anytime i'm in lincoln
0: i love it i absolutely love it kenny bell uh hey kenny this was great man. I've always thought the world of you. Let's let's make this not the the one and only time you come on the podcast. We'll catch up maybe when the when the season gets rolling. But seriously brother, thank you so much. Uh you had a great career. This was an unbelievable conversation. Thank you, man.
1: Hey, I appreciate you having me on and yeah, it was great catching up and yeah, we'll we'll link up when it, when the season starts rolling. Love it. Thank you, Kenny. Aura Media Production.